Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for joining me today at Women in the Arena podcast. Today, I think I should give you a warning that this might be a triggering interview. It certainly is a very difficult one. It was difficult for both myself as well as my interviewee. Today, we're going to talk about what nobody wants to talk about, uh, the parent's worst nightmare, and that is the death of a child. It is a very difficult conversation but we are using this conversation as a source of education and information for a very little known disorder. So I ask you to share this interview with other parents. The more information and the more education we have out there, the better chance there is for early diagnosis and therefore early treatment. We want to help avoid the ultimate worst outcome. Thank you so much for your attention. And let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for joining me again this week. I am joined today by Susan Manifold, who received her degree in social psychology at the University of New Hampshire, which she went on to teach at for many years. She's also a wine enthusiast and the founder of the Alex Manful Fund. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Susan Manful. Susan, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you here with me. We have so much to talk about today, Uh, but first... Let's get to know you just a just a moment about your background, uh, because I think that's important to hear about your background as we dive into the topic of why we're here, uh, which is surrounding uh, Alex. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in New Hampshire with my husband and our two dogs. I'm from California. And I grew up in a family that liked to travel a lot. So I was very fortunate. And I suppose that's why I had my sights set on attending a graduate school that was on the other side of the country. So I, after living in Jamaica for a short time and working as a guidance counselor, I went to the, I enrolled in the University of New Hampshire for their graduate program in social psychology. At the time, they were the the only university in the country that offered a PhD in psychology with a teaching practicum, because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do that for a very long time. I spent most of my career teaching. Later, it's kind of a long story, but ended up leaving academics to write about why. But I know that we're here today to talk about my daughter. Her daughter was our only child. Her name was Alex, Alexandra Manful. And Alex died due to a disorder called PANDAS. 
It's pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder having to do with strep. I want to hold there for a minute because before we dive into this subject, there's a lot of information here. And we want to make Mm -hmm. it clear that this is only to inform. It is not to give you fear, but we want to make you aware of this disease because the difference between survival and perhaps not surviving is early diagnosis because that means that you get early treatment. Uh, Neither one of us are medical doctors, but Susan has done extensive research along with the experts in this field, and that's the information that she's going to present to you today. So this is information that she has received from her experience, her research, the research from the, the physicians that she works with, and with her experience with her daughter. So, uh, Susan, first, before we talk about the unfortunate part of Alex, let's, let's talk about who she was and what an amazing young woman that she was. Well, I am her mother, and so therefore I am uh, I'm a little prejudiced, I guess. But in fact, she was really... a a terrific person. She was uh, very smart. She was, uh, she was a real force. Um, She was uh, very talented. Um, She was an athlete. She was a star scholastically. She was just genuinely a good person. Growing up here in our small town of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, she was involved in quite a few activities, writing a newspaper about animals in which she sold advertisements in town and sold the newspaper in town and interviewed people around the country about animals. She was also an artist starting very young, and she had a, a business in which she made note cards she was accepted at a uh, her first her first art fair in which she was accepted called the Button Factory. They didn't ask for the age on the um, on the entry form, and it was a juried selection. And they selected her. And when an eight year old sold showed up with her parents to sell their cards, they were a little surprised. But she continued being an artist, um, actually for the the until she died. She was also a writer. She was an excellent writer. She's a much better writer than I am, and uh, and that's what I now do uh, most of the time. Alex went to local schools here, and we're fortunate to have a um, prep school here by the name of Phillips Exeter. She was a day student there, and there she uh, became a coxswain on the boys' crew team. And she actually became the co-captain of that uh, crew team. First young woman to be the co-captain of a boys crew team in um, Phillips Exeter history. And I don't think there's been one since. She went on to Princeton, where she was a history major and also the coxswain on the men's crew team. And from there, she went to New York, worked on Wall Street with um, a couple of big banks and a hedge fund and a private equity firm. She worked at a private equity firm in Washington, D.C., had moved to Washington and and died shortly shortly after that due to Panda. She, she was an extraordinarily 
talented, loving person. And she unfortunately contracted a disease called pandas. So first, let's explain what pandas is, because it's it's got a cute name, but it's not a cute disease. So, right. And I'm sure that it's a disease that many have never heard of. I had never heard of it. You had never heard of it when uh, she can when she came down with with this disease. So what is it and how is it contracted and how is it diagnosed? You're you're right. A lot of people don't don't know about it and a lot of doctors still don't know about it and don't understand it. Um, it begins with strep. And I think that uh, most of us, uh, well, I, I used to think, oh, goodness, you have strep, that's great. You can take some antibiotics and be over with it. Alex never had strep growing up, or at least she was never diagnosed with it. She um, could possibly have had it uh, as part of a sinus infection, but she never had strep throat. But she did uh, have strep when she was 19 years old as a sophomore in college. She went into the health center at Princeton and they said, oh, you know, did you know that you're just getting over mono as well? So they treated her for, she did get over the mono and they treated her for the strep with antibiotics. And um, she was soon back on the water coxing and um, doing her schoolwork. And we didn't think anything more about it. But shortly after that, she began to exhibit what we now know in retrospect um, were obsessions and compulsions. So the, I guess to answer your question, I, it is um, PANDAS, it stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder. And it is characterized by usually an acute, that is a sudden, onset of obsessions and compulsions, or tics following a strep infection. And eventually, other symptoms are very likely to follow. And they can include a restrictive eating, that is, um, on account of the way the food may feel. Uh, for example, the individual stops eating certain things, uh, and they may lose weight. Um, separation anxiety is one of the, the key components of this. And because it's a child's, uh, considered a child's disorder, I'll give you an example from childhood because Alex had something slightly, or manifested slightly differently. You're, you're used to dropping your child off at school for first grade and the child runs off very happily. And then suddenly they don't want to go to school and they scream and they cry when you try to take them to school. So separation anxiety is, is one of the most common components. Generalized anxiety, sleep disorders, not being able to get to sleep, not being able to stay asleep, sleeping for, or apparently sleeping for hours, but never feeling fully rested. There's a wide variety of symptoms. I'm going to list a few more, but, um, this is one of the complicating factors of this disorder because there are so many symptoms. The personality may begin to change. There can be vast mood swings, uh, irritability that hadn't been there before. 
you may observe ADHD types of behaviors, such as an inability to concentrate and being easily distracted. There's also behaviors that are and cognitive changes. You may lose the ability to lose some of your math skills. You, your handwriting may change drastically and your ability to draw. Um, there's also uh, aneurysis or the, the child may, or young adult may begin wetting their bed when they, uh, when that was not an issue. Um, urinary frequency, rage, extreme rage and sudden rage and a lot of impulsivity. And in some cases, there's suicide ideology as, as well. And I can give you some examples of all of these things too. But I, I want to make the point here that this is pandas and it is by definition triggered by strap. Um, and the symptoms usually, but not always, occur immediately afterwards. Some parents will say that they dropped their child off at school and they came home a different person. Or they put their child to bed and they woke up a completely different individual. The other factor that I want to emphasize is that the symptoms really wax and wane. So you may experience them for a few weeks and then they, things look like they're, they're improving and then they come back. Um, and again, that's due to strep. There is a broader disorder called PANS, and that refers to pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome. That's when you have basically the same symptoms, but the um, cause can't be identified. It, you can refer to PANDAS as PANS, not to be confusing here, but um, you can think of PANS as being a very broad category that includes PANDAS, but you were unable to. Uh, say that this was due to strep and may not even be able to identify the infection that caused it. And the infection may be bacterial, it may be viral, and there's even some evidence that it may be a trauma. So in, in the case of Alex, it was due to, she had strep at 1920. Mm-hmm. And she started to exhibit these changes in her behavior. And as you and I have been discussing what pandas is and what it isn't, and as you have been educating me, from what I understand, the strep is actually somehow penetrating the blood-brain barrier. So, so what is the what is the science behind that, that it goes through that that barrier and has these significant psychological changes to these children. Okay, well I'm I'm glad that you asked that question because that's that's extremely important. It's actually not the strep that passes the the blood brain barrier. What the strep does in some people, it's unclear how many people, but it's a relatively rare disorder. Um, the strep causes the immune system to go rogue and produce too many antibodies the, in its effort to combat the, the strep bacteria 
or whatever bacteria or an infection the, the, the person is, is, um, is suffering from. And in this case, the, um, the antibodies are able to pass through the blood-brain barrier. For years, it was thought that that was pretty impossible to do. And it still is very impermeable. Um, but after it, it is believed, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that after multiple exposures to strap or whatever the infection is that the, the person is, um, that the person's autoimmune system is, is responding to, after repeated infections, the blood-brain barrier becomes more permeable. And these autoantibodies are able to, to pass through. And in the case of this disorder, pans or pandas, they are, uh, make their way to the basal ganglia part of the, of the brain. Um, now, I, just, just to put this in perspective, I mean, strep is one of the oldest bacteria, if not the oldest bacteria that has um, a, affected humans. It can affect the heart with uh, rheumatic fever. It can affect the skin with uh, scarlet fever. It can affect the kidneys. You can have long-term kidney disorder um, with a, I can't think of the name of the other, the, the kidney disorder, but it's a long-term kidney, long-term kidney damage. Uh, pandas is the case when the strep is, the strep is causing the, the antibodies to affect the brain. Um, there is another disorder that also affects the brain due to strep, and it's called Sydenham chorea. Does it also have the same, the same symptoms of pandas? It has some of the same symptoms. There's some of the same uh, neuropsychiatric symptoms, but it is characterized by um, sweeping movements of, um, of the arms and the torso, uh, the chorea movements, um, as well as the, the um, neuropsychiatric symptoms. So because, because it is affecting the the emotions and the behaviors and the the ability to to uh, determine what is and isn't reckless, these these children that are affected are engaging in behaviors that they wouldn't normally do. That they they cannot detect uh, consequences. So tell me a little bit more about that which is why this is such a, a deadly disease because okay. of their behaviors. Okay. Um, there's so many ways to answer that. Let, let, me, um, let me begin by saying that um, while this is largely a children's disorder, hence the P in pandas and, and pans, this can occur in adolescence. And in the case of Alex, it, it occurred for the first time in young adulthood. She was 19 when she had the, the strep. It, there's, a, there's a real continuum or spectrum of the types of symptoms that, that you may see. It may be that there's the, the OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder may be mild. Um, they may... I'm trying to think of something mild that they, they might do, maybe counting steps uh, and, and they can't 
um, if they if they lose track of how many steps they're counting, they have to go back and, and start all over again. Um, and or the OCD can be completely incapacitating. It can be that they're not even able to get out of the house because in order to in a simple example, in order to pass the doorway, they need to be breathing in a certain way. They need to have uh, knocked a couple of times. They need to have done it in a very particular way. So they can't get past the door. Um, it's, it's really incapacitating. There's also the, you, you, if you watch any of the, the movies that are out on, on this, you may see that the, the children are just rolling around and screaming and uh, unable to control themselves at all. Um, if they're able to talk at all, they may say, just make it stop, make it stop, make whatever is going on in my head stop. That's some of the most severe kinds of cases you may get. But it also may be that they have this, they develop this, um, this, this, this drive to, um, to kill themselves. Um, perhaps to to uh, one parent told me about uh, their their son who wanted to take a knife and stick it into his stomach and um, and take his life. Sometimes they can explain why they, in that they just want whatever it is that's going on in their brain to stop. Other times they can't, um, and sometimes it can be very impulsive. The individual is 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 injured, or um, it may be that they lose their life in the midst of um, of this episode. These episodes, in the extreme, are called uh, flares, in which they they lose control over their in the ex- in the extreme, they lose the control over um, their ability to um, make rational decisions. Let's say so since. It affects that area of the brain, which is literally the governor of behaviors. It's they're they're not making rational decisions and they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do because they cannot fathom the repercussions or the consequences from their behavior. It's a it's an impulsive behavior that they are doing. It's completely without input from the executive part of the of the brain and i can't explain what has what's happening in the brain but nor can the um the experts in this area they can't explain exactly what's happening in the brain it's really very interesting i i i'm very fortunate in that after alex died i have um had the 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 privilege of being able to talk with lots of, of experts in this area. And one of the first meetings I had with a, a psychiatrist who specializes in pans and pandas and Tourette's syndrome, um, I said, what, what happens in the brain? He said, we don't know. The basal ganglia is located in um, the, the very middle of the brain, and it's just... As I understand it, again, this is a layperson talking. 
um, as I understand it, it's it's um, has not been possible to to fully evaluate what's what's happening in the brain. This sounds like a terrifying disorder. If you suspect that this may be something that your child is is afflicted with because all of the signs make sense that they were recently ill with 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 strep and now their behavior has changed their personality has changed they're engaging in extreme behaviors how do you get this diagnosed okay well that's that's a good question and again it, it could be strep another uh, huge trigger that i i didn't mention are um tick-borne diseases or uh, bacteria um, such as, uh, well, there's, there's Lyme disease, the Borrelia. Uh, there's also Bartonella, cat scratch, uh, also known as cat scratch uh, disease or bacteria. Um, and there's uh, walking pneumonia, there's herpes complex. There's any number of things that in certain individuals for one reason or another, can bring this on. So, if you have, um, if you're, if your child, or if you, as a um, a young adult, rather suddenly, but again, it doesn't have to be sudden. It can be uh, a um, gradual onset, but most likely, it's it's on the sudden side, um, and with no history of of psychiatric illness. If suddenly you have obsessions and compulsions. Uh, or ticks is another common way in which it's manif- manifested, or um, it may be uh, restricted eating. If it seems to have come out of nowhere, then um, you want to go back to the doctor. As, as we've been talking, we'll, I'll continue because it's a lot easier. There's a lot more known about pandas, so it's a little bit easier to talk about. If your child had strep um was treated and the the course of antibiotics is over and these things begin to occur, you want to go back to the doctor. And hopefully the doctor is knowledgeable enough to know that another round of antibiotics is in order. Um, And if the symptoms still do not remit, there are... um, there are, I guess we might say, sort of low-level kinds of treatment that can be successful. And if that is not, if those low-level kinds of treatments are not not successful, then you'll have to um, move on to some more serious types of of treatments. And those are the treatments that would require a hospital stay. And from what I understand is intravenous and it the patient is monitored and it's, it's, you know, it's it's a significant treatment, right? But you don't, you might not even get there. I mean, if your doctor is on top of it, and if you, um, if you, if treatment begins immediately, the earlier it begins, as you said at the very beginning of our conversation, the more likely it is that the symptoms will rem- will remit, and you may not have to deal with it again in in your life, or the next time it comes back you are well aware of, of, um, what, of what to do. Um, so the, it, there's antibiotics, and sometimes that takes care of it. Anti-inflammatory drugs, just over-the-counter drugs uh, that are non, 
steroid uh, anti-inflammatory things such as ibuprofen, naproxen, um, even aspirin. Uh, and if those don't work, there are steroids that could help remit, cause the symptoms to remit. And um, if those don't work, if that approach doesn't work, then you do have to go to um, treatments that address what's going on in the immune system. IVIG, our intravenous immunoglobulin treatment in which the antibodies called um, immunoglobulins are, um, are replaced. There are, there are the child sits or young adult um, has infusions of these uh, immunoglobulins that are um, prepared from the antibodies from donors. Uh, that's probably the most common high level of treatment. And um, following that, or if your doctor for one reason or another believes that uh, rituximab, uh, which is a another immunotherapy that works differently than the IVIG, um, it pretty much erases your immune system so that it's not going to be responding to, uh, so it's not going to be continuing to create the, the um, autoantibodies. And it may be that you are one of the people who will have to have regular IVIG treatments uh, for quite a few years, but they can be very successful. And if treated early and, um, and if the treatment is effectively administered, you may not have to deal with these symptoms uh, again. Or as I said, you'll know how to treat them when they come back. So the, the good news is, is that there is treatment. Uh, unfortunately, in the case of Alex, the treatment didn't come fast enough. And she very tragically lost her life. However, that was is not in vain because Susan and her husband, Bill, decided that they needed to dedicate their time and their efforts and Alex's brain tissue to do more research on this disease, which is what the Alex Manifold Fund is. So, Susan, tell us, first of all, what kind of research is being done? Uh, it's, it's cutting edge research that is being done and where it's being done. OK, let me let me just elaborate a little bit on, on what you said before. At the, um, it, it wasn't that Alex didn't get treatment soon enough. I, I mean, I suppose you might say it like that. It's probably because she was an adult. Her symptoms manifested so differently, and she wasn't, the, the symptoms for the most part did not affect her, um, her functioning. They were not, um, you can say that they were not bothersome enough for her to, um, to, to continue to seek treatment. But very importantly, she did seek treatment and people did not identify it as pandas until just a few years before she died. Uh, she, uh, she diagnosed herself. 
She had been to a, a really a, a veritable revolving door of doctors, and they kept diagnosing her as having a psychiatric disorder, OCD. Um, and they were treating her with um, psychiatric drugs rather than through some of the means that I just mentioned in, in treating her immune system. And therefore, she wasn't getting better. Um, she continued having OCD periodically. Uh, in her case, it was in the form, for the most part, in the form of skin picking. I, I actually I failed to mention that she also had other autoimmune diseases like um, psoriasis. Nobody put all the pieces together that she suddenly had these autoimmune disorders that she had never had before. And she met all the criteria to be diagnosed as having PANS or PANDAS, and nobody put it together. But she did finally, uh, it was her sleep, I think, that probably motivated her the most strongly to seek treatment and from a known PANDAS PAN specialist. And she went to go see Dr. Beth Latimer in, in Washington, D.C., it took a while to get an appointment with her because there are so few specialists in this area. It took her, I think, four months um, to get a, a treatment, uh, to get an appointment. In other places, it may take as long as 18 months. Um, and she was diagnosed immediately and she was set to get treatment, but she died before she, she got it. She would have gotten it at the end of that week or the following week. So it was so it was unfortunate it was a very unfortunate circumstance but she was being proactive but since this is such a uh unknown exactly disease, it's hard to get the experts to listen to you exactly and believe you uh, precisely and and in fact there are some um parents who are uh, accused of um, making up the disease, the symptoms, even so far as to say that they have Munchausen syndrome um, for, um, for their, their children. I can't remember what it's called when the parents have it behind, and it's manifested in the child. Um, so yeah, it's, there's a lot of ignorance out there. So we did, as you said, um, begin this fund for, um, with the purpose of, of raising awareness in the general public. And that's really what we're doing right now. And I'm so grateful for you inviting me here to, to do exactly that. And also educating uh, physicians. We held our first symposium in 2019, October of 2019, and had intended to have another, but of course, COVID got in the way. Um, so that's been postponed. Um, so we're, we're, um, awareness, education, and, um, raising money to, um, support research, uh, very importantly to support, uh, postgraduate positions, fellowships, so that there are the people to do the research, because that's now a problem. I've, I talked to, um, uh, uh, professors in, in, in universities and in hospitals, and uh, we talk about research studies, and they said, I don't have anyone to do them. So uh, we need to change things there. 
Uh, um, so that's basically what we're doing. Uh, as you mentioned, we did donate her tissue, and it is now at a Georgetown University in the brain bank there. And we're working with Dr. Brent Harris, who is the director of the brain bank there, in getting the word out that there is this tissue for research and, um, and that it is a brain bank that if tragically your loved one should lose their life and they were diagnosed as having pans or pandas, that this would be something you might consider to donate the brain to Georgetown University Brain Bank. So um, that's what we're doing. And the first researcher who um, requested tissue is a geneticist. And he's just completing his analysis of, um, of Alex's whole genome sequence. I think that's what it's called. Uh, and he found what appeared to be some um, mutated genes. Interesting. More and on that later. But. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and you had shared with me when they did the initial initial research on her brain, mm -hmm. what they found, how it had really physically changed the 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 composition of her brain because of pandas. Can you share with us what they found in the, in the changes that took place in her brain? Um, well, she had what's um referred to as gliosis in the basal ganglia and in the um, in the thalamus, which is right next to the basal ganglia. So there was damage to the areas that researchers had believed were affected by um, this autoimmune response due to um, to strap or other types of infections so it's it's literally damaging the tissue does it completely kill off the tissue or does it change it to such a a, a degree that it's not functioning properly and can't come back from that without intervention well i don't know that that um it's it's inflammation. They largely agree that it's that it is. Um, I think in layperson's terms, you refer to it as as inflammation. And with treatment, I think I believe that um, the inflammation would be reduced in the brain. Um, the brain. They did say it was damaged, but I think that um, some of that could be repaired. I'm sorry that I'm not more knowledgeable on, on this, this particular subject. Um, but it was clear that the brain was not working right. And in fact, one researcher that I spoke with said, based on the brain autopsy, that her brain um, was clearly malfunctioning at the time that she died. Because so, she was in the middle of a flare. I think we could probably say that. I don't know. She was alone. So I don't know. Um, 
I don't know for sure. She had worked all day at home um, on um, various calls. And she did speak with me just before she died. And and she was um, clearly not herself. I didn't realize the extent to which she was not herself. But what's interesting, um, Alex died on a Tuesday late afternoon. On um, We had seen her about 10 days before that. She was perfectly fine. And I don't think I've elaborated here yet that when she got the diagnosis from Dr. Latimer, she was um, joyful, I think I would. I would venture to say she cried and she said, I'm so glad that I finally know, I finally heard someone tell me exactly what's wrong with me and that I can be treated. And And the doctor said the prognosis was extremely good. She was already such a high functioning individual working full time and more than that. And um, playing soccer, going to museums, traveling. Um, but she was, she was sick about five days before she died. And the people, the uh, specialists who understand how these autoimmune diseases work, believe that that infection, whatever it was that she had that caused the, the fever, probably put this into play. And a few, she was, she was, I talked to her when she was not well. That was a Wednesday night. She was fine on Thursday, fine on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning. Monday morning, she called me and asked me to do her a favor. But by Monday night, she was not okay. So this happened very quickly. And um, had I known more about the way this disorder um manifests itself during a, a flare. Had I'd venture to say Alex had never really had any significant flare in her life before. Uh, in retrospect, there are, my husband and I have identified some cases in which something like that might have happened, but not a real honest-to-goodness flare in which she was out of control ever. Um, had we understood more about that, I would have been on a plane and gone down to go see her and sent people over to her apartment but we didn't and I don't think Alex did either I I absolutely venture to say she had no idea that um she was was so unwell which which is why we want to do this conversation because we just want to make people aware that this exists mm-hmm. and that that it's worth is worth checking into if you're starting to notice some changes within your child. The it's worth it's worth a conversation with your physician. Absolutely. And, that, and, and that's what your what your fund is doing. Mm-hmm. So tell us now what where the status is of your fund now. I realize that it's been difficult. All of the plans that you had made in 2019 mm-hmm. for your organization all had to be put on hold because you know, the whole world had to be put on hold. But I know that you're working to move forward in this in this new new normal, if you will. Uh, what are you doing with your organization to help further your purpose and your mission of 
of education and furthering the research on this disease? Okay, so um, again, awareness is a huge part of this. And so I um, try to remain fairly active on, on social media. We have an Instagram account, the Alex Manful Memorial Fund. Um, and I post a lot on, um, on Facebook. Um, we also have, we've, we've tried to, um, raise awareness in all sorts of different ways. So because I write about wine and Alex was an artist, we asked a winemaker in, and because we've spent a lot of time in France, we asked a winemaker, um, Chateau Barbabel, winery Chateau Barbabel, um, to, if, if they would make a wine, that they would um, let us place a particular label on and raise awareness about uh, pandas through that. So she said, absolutely. And um, we asked an artist, uh, Gerard de Sirdi in, in France, if he would paint a, um, create a painting that we could use as a label. And he said, absolutely. So it was um, Madeleine Premier of Chateau Barbabel, who agreed to the wine, and Gerard de Sirdi, who made this gorgeous painting that we turned into a label. And on the label, it says, you should know about pandas, especially if you are a parent. To learn more about autoimmune encephalitis triggered by streptococcal infections, please visit, and then it has our website, the Alex dot org. Um, and it also comes with a, a uh, I think it's a 10-page, very tiny booklet tied on with leather so that people can learn more about pandas and pans. And we found that this has been extremely successful because it's getting beyond um, the choir. Most of the time, we find that it's, it's very easy to preach to the choir, those who know about pandas and pans, but sometimes it's difficult to reach the people outside there. Um, Let's see. So educating, we had one symposium already in, um, in New Hampshire here. Uh, it, we held it right after the New Hampshire legislator, legislature had um, just passed a bill that required insurance companies to pay for treatment. I think it's only eight states in our country that require insurance companies to pay for the treatment. And I, what I didn't mention is the treatment, the immunotherapy treatment is quite expensive. Um, for example, in the case of Alex, she would have had two infusions minimum, and those are $16,000 a piece. And if the insurance company doesn't cover that, there are many people in this country who would not be able to treat their children uh, or maybe young adults who would not be able to, um, to have that, that treatment. So um, this disorder, pans, pandas, is, is so under-researched. It's, it's, it's shameful that in our country, there is not as much support for this from the National Institutes of Health, the National Institute 
of mental health, and we are reliant on, or the researchers are reliant on philanthropy. So if you go to our website and you're so inclined, we would greatly appreciate a, um, a donation. And we'd appreciate you passing on the word about uh, where to go to learn more. And also on our website, we have a list of, of resources of other groups, other advocacy groups who are providing um, some of the same information and in some cases a lot more information, different information, but we're all trying to, I'd like to say we're all trying to work together uh, and I think that's the only way we're going to be able to uh, successfully battle these disorders by working together. So there you can you can find other resources and um, and learn more. Susan, thank you for giving us your time to educate us on this little known disorder that probably affects more children than we think because mm-hmm. it's not recognized as what it is. Exactly. I, I, I also know that this was not an easy conversation for you to have. And I am thankful and, and very grateful that you agreed to do this and share Alex with us and to take the time to educate other parents out there. Again, this is not an intent to scare anybody, but because it is so little known and not enough information out there, we both felt very strongly that we wanted to attempt to educate. So Susan, once again, thank you. And will you repeat your website one more time for the audience? Yes, it is the Alex Manful. Manful has two T's in it. The Alex Manful fund.org you could just google alex manful and you would come up with it we are also going to put a link on our brand new website to your website so people can get access is you have this wine program which you very graciously gifted me a bottle and it is a gorgeous bottle with the most amazing painting on it is the wine program still going forward? Yes, the wine for, uh, program is definitely still going forward. And you can buy the wine online. They will ship it to you. There is no ship. At this point in time, there is no charge to ship. Uh, may I just take this opportunity also to thank you very much for, for having me. And I, I thank you on behalf of the, the Alex Manful Fund, but I also thank you on behalf of all the the children, the adolescents, young adults, and parents, and and family who have uh, been affected by pandas or pans or what what I've chosen to call broadly uh, post infectious neuroimmune disorders. They are very grateful for this um, information being passed on to your audience. Thank you. You are welcome. This is the absolute least that I can do. I I created a, a platform to help encourage and educate. And this is just one more thing to in order to do that. This is not a great subject. 
It's very hard. It's a very difficult one. Susan and I planned this for months. We've prepared this for months because we knew it would be hard. Uh, but it was so important to both of us that the information get out there and get out there as accurate as possibly. We wanted to make sure that this was done right. So I appreciate again, Susan, for you being here. I thank you all for listening. And if there is more questions, I know that there is a link on Susan's website. And I believe your contact email is on there. So if someone wants to contact you directly Mm -hmm. and speak to you, because maybe their child is exhibiting uh, behaviors that they have concern about, that they can reach out and speak to you because you speak to parents every day all over the country. Yes, please uh, reach out to me and I can help you uh, find the right resources and spread the word. Thank you so very much. You are very welcome. Thank you for being here. And again, I appreciate how difficult this was. And I am grateful that you said yes. I am grateful to all of you for listening. If you have questions, please reach out to Susan and we'll see you again next time. that's our show. Thank you all so much for spending your time with me and continuing to support this show, this community, and our endeavor to change the world one interview at a time. If you have any ideas for a new show or for a guest that you'd like me to interview, please reach out to me at audra at womeninthearena.net. Thank you again for all of your support, and we'll see you again next time. so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.